What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Tuesday, January 26th. Uh, podcast is coming a little bit later in the day. I was hoping to record uh, last night on the 25th. I get everything set up and I realize, oh, hey, my dog has uh, bitten and bent the USB attachment to my microphone. So I had to go get a quick fix for that. And uh, now we're putting out the podcast recording during the day. Um, And we're going to put this thing out. And uh, yeah, so this is our recap episode of Conference Championship Weekend. We obviously have the stage set. For this upcoming Super Bowl, it will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the five seed out of the NFC, taking on the number one seeded Kansas City Chiefs of the AFC. Uh, So let's just go into each game. We're just going to break down the two games. Probably will be a pretty short episode. Um, I'm finally doing my Deshaun Watson episode on Thursday, so we are going to uncover everything that's been going on in that fiasco. Uh, You know, take a look at all possible destinations. You know, what concerns should Deshaun have about some places? What concerns should teams have about Deshaun Watson? Because, you know, yes, everybody should want Deshaun Watson as the quarterback for their football team, but there is a price, and there's going to be a pretty hefty one that comes with it. So for some of these teams, um, it's a pretty big decision to make. Uh, Obviously, news is going crazy in the quarterback um, realm. We've got Adam Schefter putting out that, He would take the over on 18 teams starting new quarterbacks next year. So maybe we'll get a chance to look through all those teams and see what number I can come up with. Um, I think that would be a fun kind of episode to take a look at each team and say, okay, this is getting a new quarterback. This one's getting a new quarterback. Maybe put some maybes out there and which ones are just dead wrong. So that'll be another episode. We're going to have a lot of stuff in between now and and Super Bowl uh, Sunday. Um, So, you know, we're not going to do any preview uh, podcast until uh, next Friday. So we'll get to all of that, and then uh, it's my bread and butter. We're getting into the fun time of the NFL offseason. Free agency will start a couple weeks after the Super Bowl. I'm already beginning looking at some draft stuff. We're going to have some draft podcasts out here with some evaluations, some uh, position rankings for the the upcoming draft. Um, You know, last year I had some really big plans for the draft, um, and I really wanted to make that an extension of the podcast and then uh, this little shit dog that I keep talking about, <laughs> you know, it was a little tough finding time outside of work um, to be able to quietly record when you've got a three-month-old puppy that's a, an absolute psychopath. Um, I had to travel back to New York for a month, so this is kind of going to be what I anticipated last offseason to be in terms of the podcast, in terms of content. Uh, as I've mentioned, we're getting in some video, going to have a studio type set up in this extra bedroom I have. So really excited to get to that point. But that's all in the future. Let's talk about right now. Uh, let's go to the first game of the day. Uh, really, to me, the, 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 the game that has the most storylines coming out of, uh, that's uh, the, the Buccaneers taking down the Packers in Green Bay, 31-26. to Tampa, their first Super Bowl appearance since 2002. I'm going to say it once so we never have to say it again. They will also be the first team to host a Super Bowl in their home stadium. So, um, so many narratives are just going to be pushed out and shoved down our throats over the next 10 days or so. You know, we're going to have the GOAT versus the kids storyline. We're going to have, as I said, Tampa hosting the Super Bowl. 
there's going to be so many boring narratives <laughs> that, you know, look, we've we've known people have been saying this Bucks narrative since Tom Brady went to Tampa. They were like, oh, they have a chance. It's We've been hearing this storyline for a year now. So it's like, okay, cool. They finally got there, but we don't need to keep talking about it because it's been discussed almost for an entire year now. But nonetheless, into the game, Tampa Bay wins this one 31-26. Tampa... Um, you know, jumps out to a 14 to seven lead early on. Uh, it's a 21, 10, uh, game going into the half. Um, they're the first ones to score in the second half as well. They take it up to 28 to 10 green Bay claws their way back in, but it comes up short. They end up losing it 31 to 26 after, um, some really puzzling decisions. Uh, so I, I want to talk a lot about the Packers first, and we've been doing this three weeks in a row now. I'd like to discuss kind of the team that has been bounced and talk about the game and what went wrong and future implications. So let's take a look at Green Bay. So much, uh, so much went wrong in this game for the Packers. Um, you know, Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones getting hurt and the fumble. Um, he had two fumbles. One was recovered by Green Bay. The second one was a pretty big hit, knocked him out of the game. Uh, so you lose, you know, one of the top running backs in all of football. Um, he wasn't having a great day before, so it wasn't like, oh, we had this really great run game going and then Aaron Jones got hurt. No, he was okay during the day um, before he got hurt, just to pull up the exact numbers. It wasn't anything too impressive. As I said, six carries, 27 yards. Um, in the passing game, he had four catches for seven yards. So like I said, not a whole lot going for him um, in the ground game. And, um, you know, I think what coincides with that is the fact that the Buccaneers, you know, front seven just really dominated the Packers uh, up front. Um, we finally realized that, you know, losing David Bakhtiari actually is going to have an impact. And it didn't show up in the first two games or in the first game that they played, uh, excuse me, against the Rams uh, in, you know, last week's game. But it did show up here, um, you know, Rodgers was facing pressure up the middle from the side um, all day. All day he was uncomfortable, and look, you know, as great as he is, as great as any quarterback is, um, constant pressure isn't isn't good for anybody to be facing, no matter how talented you are. So, a lot of pressure uh, stopped the run game. You know, you take a look, even some of the other guys, Jamal Williams, seven carries, twenty three yards. AJ Dillon, three for seventeen. Um, you know, just a quick note: uh, over the next few years, AJ Dillon's going to be a great running back in football. He uh, he looks to be. He looks to be special, and I know Aaron Jones is a free agent. I believe Jamal Williams might be too, so really interesting to see what they do there. I think A.J. Dillon is, could be a problem at the running back position. He's just behind two really good running backs right now. Um, nonetheless, uh, you know, so that goes wrong for the Packers, losing out on Aaron Jones in the second half. Um, another problem, you know, look, Devontae Adams doesn't really drop that many red zone touchdowns. Uh, he had that drop that, um, you know, ended up hurting them a bit. And, and you know, it, it's crazy how this happens sometimes. But you have one of the most effective red zone offenses the entire year. Rodgers, historically, when you get him in the red zone, he seals the deal. They didn't have a lot of success in the red zone today. They, it was a lot of, you know, okay, it's third down, still not getting it. So you, you have plenty of attempts inside the red zone. You have to settle for field goals, turnovers. A lot of what the Packers had predicated themselves on this year, Devontae Adams in the red zone, Aaron Jones in the run game, red zone success, not settling for field goals, scoring touchdowns, a lot of that went against them. So that's stuff that I would say is, you know, kind of on the uncontrollable side of things where I say, okay, 
the injuries to the offensive line and then the Bucks front seven, there's not much you can do about that. Aaron Jones getting hurt, not a, you, you can't control that. Devontae Adams, you know, he doesn't drop those, and then in the red zone, you usually put up touchdowns and not field goals. So that's what didn't go right for the Packers. But with that, they also had a few situations where they really did screw up themselves. First, of course, being giving the ball back to Tampa Bay at the end of the half. Um, and then also the defensive coverage on that final play where Scotty Miller just broke deep. Um, you know, the Packers were anticipating a quick 10-yard out to set up a closer field goal. I think the Buccaneers knew that, and they said, well, hey, we've got this corner uh, over there, Kevin King, who's been struggling this game. Why don't we just break deep on him? Get our speed guy out there, Scotty Miller. Tom Brady threw a perfect ball, touchdown to end the half. Um, and then, you know, as I said, they go up 21-10 to 10 into the break. Uh, next drive is the fumble by Aaron Jones, gets hurt. Buccaneers go up 28-10. to 10. Game at that point, you know, yes, it got closer, but it was essentially wrapped up at that point. Um, so that is, uh, or, or those are really bad decisions right there. You know, giving the ball back uh, to um, Tampa Bay. You know, it was an interception where it ended. Uh, let's see. It was the one uh, intended for Lazard that was picked off by Sean Murphy Bunting, who three games in a row now, um, call or not call, there was a little bit of holding on that play, but they let it slide for three quarters. Um, I got to remember to talk about that at the end of this game too. Um, the officiating is really interesting. So, so you give the ball back on a questionable call. Could it have been pass interference? Yes, but they hadn't been calling it up to that point. So I, I'm not, I'm not mad at them for not calling it there. And then the poor defensive coverage, they just thought Tampa was going to settle for a field goal. And, and I think this speaks a lot to where we are in the NFL is we can't expect other teams now. And I guess, you know, for those aggressive teams, they, they're able to catch complacent teams. You know, it, it reminds me of all these situations where I see at the end of halves, 35 seconds left, the team decides to take quarterback kneel and, and, and you know, just go into the half. I, I, if you have a chance to put up points in the NFL now, it's kind of like the NBA. You have to score more than the other team. Defense does matter, but look at the scores of these games. It's 31 to 26 and 38 to 24. Lot of, lots of points are being scored in the NFL now. Defense is, is still just as important, but being complacent on offense isn't. So the Packers are sitting over there thinking, okay, well, the Bucs are just going to try and put up three points. Let's stop them from doing that. So let's cut off the short routes. They're not going to go deep. If we can pin them back to a you know a long 50-yarder, maybe they miss it. We go into the break, and, and, and we're you know <clears throat> only down six points, maybe, if they get the field goal. Or if they miss it, maybe we're only down four. Um, so... They were expecting that, and then Tampa it has the brilliance and the aggressiveness to say, hey, they're thinking we're going to be complacent. Let's just break it deep. Scotty Miller breaks past Kevin King. Tom Brady knows it. He throws it. Beautiful ball. Touchdown. They go into the breakup 21-10. So that's that's the first big fuck-up. Complacency in the NFL um, and, and being passive, you know, being uh, lazy, complacent. That's the difference between great teams and, and, and good teams. You know, you really have to push the needle and always try and put up as many points as possible. Um, so that's that's the one big thing. And then obviously, I mean, how this game ended is, is, a, is brutal. Um, so the score is 31 to 26. Green Bay has fought their way back in and Tom Brady is giving Green Bay every chance to win the football game. Three interceptions on three straight drives. The, Buc the, the Packers are putting up points. It's 31-23. Uh, Ryan Sookup hits a 46-yarder. 31-23, Green Bay gets the ball back. And 
they start off and, and the drive starts off great. So it starts off with a nine yard run by AJ Dillon. Then there's the uh, long 29 yard pass to Marquez Valdez Scantling. So then you're in the, uh, you're on the Tampa Bay 28. You keep moving the ball a little bit. You end up with a first and goal on the eight yard line. First play, incomplete pass to Lazard, uh, incomplete pass to Devontae Adams on second and goal. And then third and goal, uh, the incomplete pass to Devontae Adams again, where he wasn't able to get both feet in bounds. You take a look at that play. Did Aaron Rodgers have enough room to outrun the defense for eight yards and get a score? I don't know. I bet he probably gets popped right around the two-yard line. But I still think I would rather have Aaron Rodgers do that. And I am... So amazed by Aaron Rodgers and all of his accomplishments, but there is something that I think, you know, I need to be a little bit critical of when you examine him as a as a person and how it impacts him on the football field. Um, you know, Rodgers is always that relaxed guy, just calm down. He's not a he's not a you know um, this you know, I try and think he's not a super passionate guy, you know, like when you see Brady and you see him scream and you see all of these great quarterbacks and great players and they're just aggressive, they're football guys, you know, and that's a joke sometimes because yeah, sometimes, you know, the players don't have the talent to match their confidence. Um, but in certain situations like a Brady, or I'm trying to think some other greats, um, you know, throughout history, they have that aggressive nature, that aggressive mindset. I Rodgers is so complacent sometimes that I think that it reflects the to the identity of the team. You know, he isn't a guy that is going to scream at his head coach on the sideline. We see players do it all the time. We've seen Brady go back and forth with Josh McDaniels through the years, just screaming at him about stuff. Um, we, we see a lot of players who, you know, fight for what they believe is, is the right call at times. And it just doesn't seem... Rodgers didn't even put up a fight for that fourth down play. And whether or not he knew they were going to kick it, you know, that, that that needs to be communicated on first down. We don't know if it was or not. All we know is that Rodgers didn't have the, the decision to make. It wasn't his decision. So I think for Rodgers, if he knew, say he knew he only had three downs, I would at least try and get it to the two so that way you've got a little bit more sway. If it's the eight-yard line, you take it. You Maybe you get into the end zone, so it doesn't even matter. But at least you get... Close enough inside the five, inside the three-yard line. If you can get to the two, then it's fourth and goal on the two. You say, okay, we're not going to kick a field goal from the two. So if he knew that he only had three downs, the run makes a ton of sense. Um, if he didn't know, man, I, I, I got to put up a fight if I'm the quarterback there. I, I and, and a lot of criticism is going towards Matt LaFleur and his decision to kick the field goal. And we all know how it played out. But I, I think... Rogers' kind of complacency in in life and how he's just this very laid back, relaxed guy. He doesn't really, you know, have a ton of confrontation with anybody. He's very chilled out. Um, I think that it's it's just it's tough to sit there and say that that doesn't, uh, you know, you know, it doesn't contribute to his play. And I just feel like if you're Rodgers, I mean, I would tackle the fucking kicker to the ground and say, no, this is my chance. I'm the best player on this team. I'm the fucking MVP. Um, to, to say that he didn't have any influence on what they do, I mean, fuck, we've seen quarterbacks all the time just, you know, quick timeout. They go talk with their head coach. They say, okay, what are we doing here? What's the play call? You know, I, I love the video clip of, of uh, Peterson and Nick Foles 
talking and discussing Philly. It needs to be a collaborative uh, decision. And for Rodgers to say he didn't have any input just doesn't make sense to me unless he just was like, unless he's so complacent that he's just like, well, my head coach said so, so now the blame can't be on me. I, I just, I feel like sometimes his personality off the field um, makes a little sense on the field. You, you see it pop up on the field and, and kind of this whole kind of just relax, it doesn't matter a whole lot to me kind of thing. Um, so, you know, that I, a little criticism of Rodgers there. I thought he played a, a brilliant game and he's had a brilliant year. He's the MVP. He's deserving of, of so much recognition and it's a bummer. You know, I picked the Packers. I need, I, I felt like Rogers career needs a second Super Bowl. Um, it, you know, one Super Bowl, uh, you know, um, doesn't do him enough justice. Even one Super Bowl appearance doesn't do him enough justice for how great his career has been. And, and since it's winding down, I just, I feel like, you know, that could have been their best shot at getting there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would hate for this to be the, the closest Rodgers ever gets to another ring, but I do feel like he deserves a little bit of blame here because I, I feel like in that situation, if you talk to Lafleur and you talk it out with him and you're arguing with him, I feel like he's going to give in to you. Um, so that's the Rodgers side of things. Now, we got to talk about the Lafleur side of things because this just, it blows my mind where we're at as a league with these decision calls. And sure, they go for it, doesn't work, they lose. We still say the same thing. Oh, do you take the points? I, I'm always on the mindset of if it's, if you're just taking a one-possession game to another one-possession game score, that's not the right move. You know, say you're up, say you're, you're trailing. Uh, so, like, if it was a two-possession game and you can't make it a one-possession game, with a field goal, then you got to go for the touchdown. You always have to try and cut it down a little bit into one fewer possession to either tie the game or take the lead. So, yes, they needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion. They had failed a two-point conversion earlier in, in the first half. So I get it. Or earlier in the second half, I believe. It was one of their second-half touchdowns, I think. But um, either way, the, there's no point in going from an eight-point game to a five-point game. At the very least, what you do is you try to get the touchdown. Even if you don't get the two-point conversion, then you're only down two. Then you just need a field goal. You're already inside the 10. You know how hard it is to get inside the 10? If you have a good good enough kicker, you got to get to the 35-yard line. You got to get to the 30-yard line. If you're able to get the ball back from Tampa and everything like that, you, you don't have to go the full distance to win the game. You just have to get close enough. So I'd always rather say, I'm this close to the end zone. There's no guarantee I'm even going to sniff 20 yards of here. So while we're in here, we need to make the most of the points. So I disagree with it on that aspect. And I disagreed on the fact with you have all three timeouts. You have the two-minute warning. So say you go for it on fourth down at the eight-yard line. You don't get it. Tampa Bay is backed up in their own freaking 10-yard line. You don't waste any time. Uh, from the seconds of the of uh, of the kickoff return that you would have had if you had, if you kicked the field goal like they did, so you turn the ball right over. They're inside the ten. It's tough to get out of your own red zone. There's there's not a whole lot you can do. You know where they were at. There's a huge difference between being on your eight yard line versus I, I believe they're at their twenty three yard line for the next drive. There's such a huge difference in what you're able to call and how you're able to manage the game. Uh, the other team has all three timeouts. They essentially have a fourth with the two-minute warning. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So, it, it's 
it's inexcusable. We're going to talk about it a lot. You're going to hear it everywhere over the next few weeks. And then when we get to the Super Bowl, we'll have something else to distract us. But on both sides, I feel like there is blame to be given out. I feel like Rodgers has enough say. If he doesn't, that blows my fucking mind. If he doesn't have enough say to convince the head coach to go for it there with their season on the line and a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, then that relationship still has still isn't making a ton of improvements. And there was a lot about the relationship between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers that wasn't great. If Rodgers doesn't have the say in that situation, or at least some sort of input, then that doesn't make sense to me. And uh, on the flip side... You know, so that's on the player side where it's like, you know, I imagine he has to have some say. So that's why I give him a little blame for not being as aggressive with his coaching staff and saying, no, look, we're not going to get back inside the 10. At least if we get the touchdown, we don't kick the two point conversion. We're still in field goal range. We can get into, you know, we don't have as much the ground that we need to cover up. So, um, you know, I think there's blame deserving. Uh, there's blame to be given out on both sides. I think more of it has to go on the coaching side. So I'm still gonna cut Rogers a little bit of slack here because ultimately, if the head coach, if it was his decision, then he just made the flat out wrong one. But also, I have to feel like that's Rogers shifting the blame off of him because he's like, look, hey, I, I, I was just told he's being complacent. I was just told by the fleur that we we're gonna kick the field goal. I had no say in it. I, I just feel, I, I feel like that can't be right. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's the wrong play call a hundred times out of a hundred, you know, that's, that's just the wrong call to go. You're not going to get back inside your 10. It's way more likely that you can get to the 35, 30 yard line and kick a long field goal to win it. Um, so I disagree with it on, on all aspects and it's, it's brutal for green Bay because they were such a great team this year. Um, and you just hope that they can get another chance uh, next season because, you know, obviously everybody now, you, you we've scrutinized it for almost a year now. You know, their draft didn't, didn't capitalize the window that they were in. A.J. Dillon is going to be great next year and potentially could have a really good career. Jordan Love, I haven't heard great things. I haven't read great things of how it's been going. Yeah, we don't get to see a lot of him because he's the third stringer, but... From what we've picked up, it hasn't looked amazing. Um, and then, you know, what they take? Was it a, a blocking tight end with the third round pick? I can't remember who they did with the third round pick. I just, I don't know if, how you can be a GM of a team. You get to the NFC title game. Yeah, you get blown out. I, I'm talking back in 2019. So, so not this season, but the season before. You get to the NFC title game. You get blown out by the 49ers. But you're still one game away from the Super Bowl. And you go, okay, so, you know, in free agency... We'll sign Devin Funches. Oh, he opts out. Okay, so we still don't have a wide receiver, too, that's that much of a stud. Let's spend our first-round pick on a project quarterback, our second-round pick on a third-string running back, and then our third-round pick on a hmm, blocking tight end. Sure, let's do that. Like They just didn't maximize, and I hope that they go into this offseason and they go, well, we've got one more shot now because Rodgers will be 38. Um, you know, his contract will be coming to an end. I know he's starting a little bit of a tizzy and we'll talk about it on the quarterbacks podcast. We do. I'm going to say it right now. Rogers is going to be the starting quarterback for the Packers next year. I, I think this is just Rogers being Rogers and, and him being philosophical and, and, uh, very vague. Um, so I, I can't imagine he's going to be leaving green Bay at least before the end of next season. Um, but man, it's, it's a bummer. 
right, uh, I got to talk about the Bucks for a few minutes. Um, I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Kansas City Buffalo, but uh, for the Buccaneers, I mean, I, I don't want to say that they're lucky because they did look really good. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Okay, yeah, sorry. We're not going to talk that much about the Bucks because I still need to talk about this pass interference call in the very last play and, and how, um, how it's kind of a real problem in the NFL. So is that pass interference? Yes. That final call that sealed the game, gave the Buccaneers the first down, is that pass interference? Yes, 100% it's pass interference. However, in that game, the way it was being called for 58 minutes, that's not pass interference. You go three and three quarters of the game. So, so you, go, you go first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, all the way to the very last drive of the game, and you are letting the cornerbacks play physical as all hell. Like I said, the Sean Murphy bunting interception was, was kind of just like uh, that play call at the end. It was a lot of grabbing. There was a ton of grabbing on both sides the entire game. They, it was clear in the first half, okay, these teams are going to be allowed to play physical. So the problem is, if that's how you're going to call the game for 55 minutes, you can't switch it in the five minutes after. You've set the precedent of what is a call and what isn't a call. So if you're allowing the cornerbacks to play physical on the receivers all game, you can't change your mind with two minutes left when the game is at its most important uh, uh, part. That's not the way that this works. If you're setting a precedent that you're going to be allowed to, to be physical, that is it for the entire game. You can't go back and forth. Um, I, I saw something Pete Carroll said that back in his early days with the Seahawks when they were having the big legion of boom and everything, what they would do in the first quarter, they would they would do pass interference a bunch. They would, they would interfere with the receivers just to know where the line was going to be. So that way you know, okay, they're going to allow this, they're not going to allow that, and then they'd go through the rest of their game you know, based off of what was being called early on. Because you're setting a precedent in that first quarter to establish what is a penalty and what isn't for the rest of the game. So if you're starting off in the first half and there were so many occasions that you would have called a ticky-tacky pass interference call, they didn't. So the precedent is set that that is not pass interference. So on that final play, in a normal game, is that pass interference? Yes, but if you're calling it like you did for the first 55 minutes... That was the same. That was the same as both teams were being allowed to do. So to change it on the most important play of the entire game to me is a real problem. And it's it's not one that's easily fixed. It's not one that you can do a whole lot about. Um, it, it's, it's kind of just one of those situations where you go, man, you kind of feel like they were cheated out of another chance to try and win it. Because if you weren't calling that, I keep going back to this, if you were allowing cornerbacks to play physical they know, okay, they're going to let me do this. They're not going to let me do that. This is where the line is drawn. I have to play the rest of the game based on the standards that are set early on. So then to change them at the very last play, I just don't feel good with it. Also, the flag was so fucking late. I, I you know, I, it just, it, you feel awful for that to be the final play. Just given the fact that you were letting them be physical for literally the entire game. There was so much pass interference that wasn't being called. And then to, to just flip it right at the end to me is just, uh, it's terrible. It really is. Um, <laughs> we're, we're almost a half hour in and I haven't even talked about the Bucks or the other game. Um, Buccaneers, that defense is really good. Their front seven is phenomenal. Vita Vea looked great 
after uh, what was it a broken ankle two months ago or three months ago he looked phenomenal it's deep it's talented uh front seven is terrific secondary is gonna have a a tough schedule ahead with, with kansas city um they're they're gonna have uh some tough sledding against the chiefs so that'll be interesting to watch out for um offensively um, you know, uh, yeah, I got a little worried about them in the first, in the second half, the way Brady was throwing away the game a little bit or giving Green Bay another opportunity. But I thought for the most part, in the most part this postseason, Brady has looked pretty good. Um, but this is two times now where I go, okay, you know, I'm more impressed with this win than I am their win against the Saints. But in both of them, I go, okay, a lot of stuff also went right for you. Um, but Man, I, I, you know, I give a lot of credit to them and, and to Brady for being able to make it work with his second team in just the first season. I mean, that's a that's an amazing accomplishment, and I think it's going to start changing the mind of how a lot of NFL teams operate. And I think that's why we're seeing the fact that Adam Schefter is saying that 18 teams might be looking to for new starting quarterbacks. I think the days of committing to a franchise QB for 15 years of mediocrity isn't going to sit anymore. I think. You know, situations like Jared Goff, you know, really what the Buccaneers did is they said, okay, we drafted a first overall pick in Jameis Winston, but Tom Brady is available. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Jameis Winston isn't Tom Brady. They made the switch during the Super Bowl. So what does that do for teams like the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo? Are there better quarterbacks available? The Rams and Jared Goff, are there better quarterbacks available? The Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater, are better quarterbacks available? There's going to be a lot of movement, and I think that this is kind of a, a ripple effect from it. And we saw it kind of with Peyton Manning. His situation was different because the Colts made the decision to move on from him. But um, I think we're at this point now where I think teams are going to look and say, look, yeah, a franchise quarterback is nice to have, and it's nice to be able to commit to a guy that you drafted with a high pick. You know, Goff was the number one pick. Jameis Winston was the number one pick. Marcus Mariota was the number two pick. But, hey, there's better options available. You know, it, 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 we see it with every position. If there's an upgrade available, you make that upgrade. Just because it's a quarterback doesn't mean that there should be. Um, so um, I, I, I think the fact that uh, that Brady has been able to do this is why we're getting so many offseason rumors about, man, where's the, where's the league going next season? It's going to be exciting. All right, I'm going to spend 10 minutes tops on this next game because I don't believe there's a whole lot to say. The Kansas City Chiefs take down the Buffalo Bills 38-24. to Um Kansas City, you know, is uh, making its second straight trip to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it would have been their third straight if you don't have that offsides penalty uh, by, I believe, Frank Clark. Was it Frank Clark? I think so. Um, in the AFC title game against the Patriots three years ago, or three seasons ago. Um, so uh, they take this one. They're going to the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey, most receptions in conference championship game history with 13. Uh, I had bet the over on seven and a half receptions. He had eight with three minutes left to go in the first half. Um, uh, I want to talk about the Bills first. So we'll go to the Chiefs in just a second. Um, I had texted some people before the game. Uh, I, I thought this was going to be a little blowouty. Um, I, I know I wasn't able to do a uh, preview episode for these championship games. I put my picks out. Um, I did ride with the Packers. Um, I thought the Chiefs were going to win this one, and, and I, I thought they were going to win it by a pretty sizable margin. Um, I bet the Chiefs to win by double digits. I had, I, I just, it, it 
to me, where it was going was, yes, I don't think either of these teams played their best game yet in the postseason up to the title game, but I think the Chiefs are just in a, another stratosphere than every other team in the league right now. You know, I think people thought it was really trendy over the last eight weeks or, go, uh, or so to say, well, the Chiefs aren't as great as we all think they are. You know, they're only winning games by single digits, and, and they, they haven't really popped off yet. It's like, hey, you know, they're 14-2. and two. Uh, you know, I, I just, sure, it was ugly sometimes. Sure, they had some ugly games, but I just think they're kind of, I, I think the, the regular season is kind of a wash for them. I think they know that they don't have to do a lot and still be the top team in the AFC. They don't have to take it into that second gear until the postseason. The Cleveland game got a little weird because Mahomes was out. It was a weird game. Missed field goals. Uh, your star quarterback gets hurt. Like, yeah, it was a little bit too close than it should have been. But this team has always been the best in football this year. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. So the Bills get up to that early 9-0 lead. Um, you know, after after Mikael Hardman uh, fumbles, that punt goes to a Dawson Knox touchdown. Um, and then, you know, you see it after the game, the clips of Travis Kelsey and Mahomes going up to Mikael Hardman saying, hey, man, you're going to make a play. They run the jet sweep for 51 yards. He ends up getting the three-yard touchdown on that next drive. This team is just fun, man. It's a fun team. And um, really from then on, it was it was just utter domination. You know, I, the the biggest, the, the score change got to ended up being 31 to 15. Um, and then, you know, the Bills were able to put up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Um, I'll tell you what, this game would have been a lot closer if the Bills had the 2019 version of their defense. And, I, and I've and i said this all season um, going on, and their offensive brilliance has been so fun to watch. This is a team that is not going to go away anytime soon, especially with Brian Dable still being the offensive coordinator for that team. Still don't understand how he didn't get a job. Um, but so he'll be back. This offense will be back. I have no worries at all about where this team is going. I just think that defensively, they just never had that great of a unit. Uh, you know, the front seven has a mix of young and up-and-comers, but then some veterans that really underperformed this year. Um, safety play was hit or miss. Tredavious White, great corner. You didn't hear a whole lot about him this year more than you did last year. Last year, he emerged as what I would say a top three guy, and I'm not to say his talent is down, but he didn't have as great of a year. Um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds. The, the young guys are really, like Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds have been two of my favorite defensive prospects to come out of the draft over the last three years, and both of them have bright futures. Oliver wasn't as great this year. Tremaine Edmonds had a really big uh, postseason and regular season. Um, he's really, uh, he's, a, he's a menace, man, and he's so young. He entered the draft at 19 years old. Um, so... You know, the Bills are going to be back, but I just think that they just didn't have the defense this year. They didn't. Um, and when you're playing against the Chiefs, I mean, if you don't have ways to stop Patrick Mahomes, it's tough to always put up 30-plus points and to keep pace with the Chiefs. I think I've said it all along. I just don't expect that teams are going to be able to keep pace with Kansas City. Um, the Super Bowl is going to be really interesting. I haven't given it a lot of thought yet, but my early thoughts are that, hey, Kansas City is still the best team in football. It's tough to bet on Brady, to bet against Brady, but uh, Chiefs are a damn good football team. Um, 
So for the Bills, I, I think that defensively they need some help. They need more depth. Uh, the front seven needs to be more dominant. You know, maybe A.J. Epinesa has a big second year after, you know, falling into the second round of this past year's draft. Uh, Ed Oliver gets things back and going. They do need more help in the front seven. I think the secondary is, is fine. Uh, offensive line always can use improvements. And really the big thing that I notice offensively, and, and he was banged up, so that's definitely part of it. But towards the end of the year, John Brown really kind of disappeared as that number two option, which was fine. They had a lot of depth, but I think, uh, you know, that was kind of another piece missing. Obviously, they weren't able to get digs going until late in the game. Um, he finished with six catches for 77 yards, but those were a lot of second-half stats. Cole Beasley playing with a broken leg led the way, seven catches, 88 yards. Um, so, yeah, to me, the, the Bills season kind of fell apart with two things. One, I never thought the defense was what they were in 2019. Uh, 2019, they were... They were so fun to watch defensively. I mean, it was their strength. They, they won through their defense, and the offense did okay. This year, the offense was great, and the defense was eh. And then the problem for the Bills, and I said it ever since the injury happened, is that, hey, Zach Gloss was the lead running back. He was the best running back in that locker room. And, and no discredit to Devin Singletary. He's a great player, but he he just wasn't. That's, that's not his role uh, to be the lead back on this team. He's the change of pace guy. Uh, they also have TJ Yeldon in there, who's another change of pace guy. Um, but losing Zach Moss, it was massive for them because it really did kind of force them to be more one-dimensional. And I know that that's kind of been their plan all season. They really haven't been a run-heavy team, but you know, having Zach Moss, a guy that can really make men miss in the open field, uh, really barrel over some guys, being able to not being able to have that to offset or set up some play-action stuff for Josh Allen really hurt them, um, especially in the last two playoff games and and this one especially. So. Uh, they lose this one. They'll be back. Um, hopefully, Zach Moss uh, gets a healthy return. Hopefully, the defense can get short up. And and I really hope, I really hope that this is who Josh Allen is, and not not what we saw in this game. It wasn't pretty. Twenty eight to forty eight, two eighty seven, two touchdowns, one pick. It wasn't his best game of the season. I just I hope that what we've seen over the last you know, uh, four months is who Josh Allen really is because he's been a guy that I have put a lot of time into and put a lot of uh, um, investment in saying, you know, I believe that he's got the tools and talents to be a top quarterback. And this year it finally all came to, to work together. Um, I hope this is who the guy is. I hope there's no signs of regression. Um, I hope he takes what he learned this year. There's one more thing um, to his game that just needs him you know, something that he needs to do, and, and young quarterbacks struggle with this all the time. Um, a lot of quarterbacks, when they bail out of the pocket, they only go to the right. And I don't think I've seen Josh Allen roll out to the left at all. And yes, it's tougher to roll out to the left. There's less to do. Rolling out to the right is definitely the safe and easy thing to do. It's also really easy to defend. So Mahomes, you'll watch him. He won't roll out to just the right. Sure, he will more times than he goes to the left. But when he goes to the left, it's it's dangerous what he can do on that side of the field. It's easier to defend. Defenses know how to defend the right side of the field when a quarterback rolls out of the pocket. So uh, that's one more thing to his game that I hope he improves on next season. He's a stud. I hope he's back. Um, and I hope that this is really who the Bills are going to be for the next few years because that division is going to be a whole lot of fun with the Dolphins coming up, with the Jets and the, the rebuild that they're starting, and then Bill Belichick and the Patriots. The AFC East can be a, a super fun division uh, for this next decade um, if, if things go to plan. And then for the Chiefs, uh, what, <laughs> what more can you say? I mean, God, they're so good. You know, no... no um, 
No double possession deficit means anything to them now. We've seen it four times in the last two postseasons. If you get down by by nine plus, they just flip the switch and they'll take over the lead within the next few drives, and then you know you're having to play catch up. You know, like I said, they were down nine nothing in this game, and then just you know a little bit later it was twenty one to nine. Literally, let's let's take a look. So they got down nine nothing right at the end of the first quarter, or uh, oh no, sorry, not right at the end of the first quarter. 9-0 in the middle. Sorry, this thing is being so stupid. Okay, yeah. So with, with six minutes left in the first quarter, it was 9-0. And then by when? Sorry, this is really dumb that I'm doing this right now. With four minutes left. So in the span of an entire quarter, it was 21-9 at that point. Um, and then, you know... <laughs> I mean, they just they 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 can just pour it on. It's so tough to defend Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey at the same time. Both of them are amazing. Both of them get enough touches too. I when I take a look at the character that is in Tennessee or in uh, sorry not in Tennessee, the character that's in Kansas City. You know, I always try and look at like what's going to be the reason that a potential dynasty would fall apart, and I think ego plays a lot into it. There's some stuff that you can't control, like injuries or people just you know getting older. But what they've got right now in Kansas City with as young as Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mecole Hardman, Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, all of them are so young and so addicted to winning. And all of those guys get the opportunity to shine. You know, it's not like Tyreek gets mad if Travis Kelsey's getting all the touches because Tyreek is going to get just as many. You know, yes, there's only one football, but both of them are so good and and they're so pass-happy that both of them are going to get enough touches so, you know, I think for both of those guys, I don't see any reason why they would ever become upset with their situation in Kansas City and want to try something new. You know, I, I guess in, in some situations, it might be those younger guys, a guy like Nicole Hardman, who's enjoyed success as the number three receiver. And he goes, oh, I want I want the chance to be my number one. I want to get paid. So maybe, you know, that would be a reason a guy like that leaves. But I think a guy like Nicole is more replaceable than a guy like Tyreek. But man, I, the Chiefs, to me, when I just watch him, I say that this is this is a dynasty. This is. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be around for a while, um, and I'm excited to watch them in the Super Bowl. I'm excited to enjoy Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. These are two of the best teams in football. I always get mad when certain teams get lucky and get into the Super Bowl, and it's not as fun of a matchup. The Buccaneers did have a lot go right their way in the postseason. Um, you know, really outside of Green Bay, they didn't face teams that really match up against them that well. Um, but I really do think we've got some of the best teams out here. And, and I mean, you've got, you know, the guy that has dominated the NFL for the last 20 years against the guy who's going to dominate it for the next 15 to 20 as well. So um, I'm glad we get it on the biggest stage of them all. It's going to be really exciting. And uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about it over the next week and a half. So um, I really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Make sure to like, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, go over, follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace for all my NFL content. We'll be doing some betting um, in between now and the Super Bowl. It'll mostly just be some college basketball and uh, NBA. Had another great weekend of picks. If you've been tailing me this postseason, hopefully you're making money because uh, I've been enjoying three really strong weeks of football, um, and so uh, it's been a lot of fun too. I'm gonna be bummed out to uh, to to not have football going on this weekend, but we're gonna um, we're really gonna enjoy this NFL offseason. I hope I'm gonna make it a fun experience for you guys. So uh, thanks for listening to uh, Quick Hits. I'm Blake Pace, and I'll talk to you later in the week going over. 
Deshaun Watson, quarterback changes across the league. It's going to be a fun one. All right, take care. Peace.